You're listening to Culture Camp. Tune in each week to hear from an amazing lineup of athletes, CEOs, founders, and more who have created winning cultures in their organization. Each will share the secrets to creating a culture in your business that will lead you to thrive. Are you ready? Here's your host, Jason Haugen. All right, welcome back to another episode of Culture Camp. This one I'm super, super excited about. We have our first athlete who is a was the third overall pick in 2005, three-time NBA All-Star, and won two gold medals, Darren Williams. Darren, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, of course, man. I'm your first athlete? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you're my first athlete. Oh, yeah, nice. yeah. I got I'm a couple. Nice. So um, I own a company with Jim McMahon, you know, Jim McMahon from Chicago yeah, Bears. So I own a company yeah. with him. And uh, he's been in rehab. He, he, you don't remember Alex Smith, how he had that thing to eat his uh-huh. leg? Uh-huh. Same thing Jim McMahon. Had, it's same. disgusting. Really? So I saw him. We, like flesh-eating bacteria? Yeah, so it like, ate like his whole foot all the way up to his knee. Really? It's pretty disgusting, yeah. We, he showed me. We a sponsor, Our company sponsored Damn. a big Super Bowl party, and he was there um, back in February. Yeah. And he's just hobbling around on crutches and a boot. So he's been rehab. Back. I thought you meant a different kind of rehab. Oh no no no! no. He's because Jim, uh, Jim Jim gets after it on them drinks. No, well so <laughs> yeah, yeah well that so we we actually own a, a cannabis company together. Yeah. So because he's he's all about cannabis and yeah. uh, not about his uh, all of the drugs he was taking and stuff nice. like that. So yeah, That's he good. That's what's up. He's an interesting character. I will he say is that very. I played yeah. I played some golf with him. Did you play with him? In he's Tah- good. Tahoe. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, he plays barefoot. Yeah, he Which does actually. Great way to play golf. Yeah, if you saw this last um, this this last Tahoe tournament, he was in his boot. I don't know if you saw that, but he was hauling around in his boot. He played in his boot. He played in his boot. Wow. Jimmy Mack, man, he's yeah, he's an animal. He's wild, yeah. and yeah, talking to him about all the stories is pretty nuts. But man, I just we, this I'm really really excited. Like humbled that you're on the show. Um, I know you're super busy, so um, it means a lot to me. I kind of want to start. So like we were talking about before on the show, we were talking about, uh, like teams and culture and everything like that. So I think that so I, I portray everything as sports. Like I act like my, like, like you know, we have the RV in, uh, business and all the RV dealerships. Um, I kind of think of that as like a sports team and like, you know, putting the team together and there's different pieces to the puzzle and there, you know, everybody's not a point guard out on the court. You have different, different positions to make a team. Right. And so I believe like the same thing goes in business and in life is like, you gotta, you have to have a, a team of people around you to support you and everything that you do. And like everything in my opinion is a team. Even when you did your boxing thing back in December, you have, I'm sure you had a team. You post a picture on Instagram, you had a huge team, right? Um, I did bodybuilding shows though. I don't look like it, but I did, did bodybuilding shows and you have a team, you have nutritionists, you have coaches, you have, you know, people who help you work out all these things. And I really believe in teams. So like going back, um, I guess, when did your love of basketball begin? You know, I've always had, <clears throat> I feel like it was always my first love. Um, I come from a basketball family. My mom and dad met playing basketball at West Liberty State in West Virginia. Okay. Um, cousins that played in West Virginia. So I, I was born in West Virginia. You know, I was there till I was like four, but I went back every, every summer um, until I think seventh grade, eighth grade. So eighth grade, I think was the first year I didn't go back, but I would go back every summer, and my cousin was a basketball coach at a small school in, in Ohio. Um, and so he they always had a basketball camp there, so I would go back, spend time with my grandparents in the summer. I'd basically live with them for the whole summer. Go to basketball camp, play basketball. You know, it's just my life. Um, but I also played every sport you can think of. I was really? I was that kid that wrestling was actually my first organized sport. Then I played okay. soccer. Then I played baseball. I played football. I played roller hockey. When the Mighty Ducks came out, I wanted to be a, a hockey player. So... <laughs> I was just that kid that did anything and everything, but when it came down to it, like if I had a choice of what I was going to play, basketball 
hundred percent was where I was really. Born. Yeah. So it was always my first love. So in in high school, I know you went, you played in Texas. Actually, you played. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Manny. You played with you. You grew up with his family. Manny Hendricks. Yeah, yeah, Manny Hendricks. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's crazy. You small know, Manny, world. Manny was on the Cowboys when I was when I was in elementary, and his daughters, both daughters, uh, two of his daughters went to school with me. So that's crazy. Small world, man. I remember when we were at the Garth Brooks concert, walking by, and he was like. Oh, you have Darren Williams in the suite. I'm like, you know him? He's like, yeah. Like he went over there and yeah. started talking to me about that. That's, that's pretty cool. Small world. So growing up in Texas, man, um, you know, that's a big, big basketball state in high school. Where, uh, when did you know, I get like, when did you, did you ever have like dreams of like, I want to go to the NBA or like, I want to be in the NBA or like everything you did, you know, I was moving towards the NBA. That was always my goal. Uh, I have a, they showed when we played San Antonio the second, my second year in the playoffs um, in the West Conference finals. And they showed, Actually, for two years, moved from Dallas. I grew up in Dallas, and then I moved for two years to San Antonio. And so, playing the Spurs, and they found my yearbook from uh, I think fifth grade. Really? And you know how they have like the little bios on mm -hmm. the kids. That's like name. You know what? What do you want to be when you grow up? And mine was NBA player. Really? So it's always it's always been my goal. That's cool. It's been my dream. When did you When did you know? When was the moment <clears throat> that you were like, "Hey, I'm going to the NBA"? Honestly, it wasn't till college well into college because I was always kind of one of those overlooked players um you know in, in high school I had a teammate Bracey Wright who was a McDonald's All-American I wasn't I was more like a top 100 recruit you know right my top schools that I I grew up wanted to go to were North Carolina and one Arizona two I didn't get recruited by either one of those right. I, didn't, I didn't get recruited by the Dukes the Kansases like those top tier teams that you would you would think but I got recruited by pretty much everybody else and so right um, I, I didn't know. I always thought I was good enough, but I felt like I wasn't getting the, that recognition, the notoriety that, that other people were getting. Cause I wasn't really a scorer. I feel like the game was kind of transitioning to where it was like scoring point guards were, were in. Right. And so I wasn't one of those. I was kind of traditional pass first point guards. When my mom always, my mom always preached to me. She wouldn't let me come down. Even when I was the best player on the team, she wouldn't let me come down and shoot it every time she made, really? she made me pass. Um, the game has changed since then. hundred um, <laughs> percent. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't know until honestly, till probably my sophomore and really junior, which was my last year of college where we kind of, we went on a, a crazy run. We were number one all year. Right. Uh, one twenty two twenty. Shoot. What did we win? I think we started out 21 and oh, maybe 22 and oh, really um, lost a game and then didn't lose again until the finals. So, wow. I think that's when, it really became reality for me. So, so uh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting thing um, that you kind of, you kind of hit on that I've always wondered is, so you have these, these kids that grow up of like ESPN top 100s. They go to these huge schools. They're the best at the school. Everything is about them. They're on, you know, every sports center, everything. And then they go to the NBA and they kind of, you know, kind of fizzle out super quick. Why is that versus someone like, and it's, I almost can kind of call it like the Tom Brady effect yeah. of like, it's the guys that were over, like, because you're like, hey, I wasn't re recruited by all these big, big names, yet you were an all-star and in a, in a two-time Olympic gold medalist. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it goes both ways. You know, there's guys who, like LeBron and Carmelo right. and, and these guys who, they were always touted as that guy, right? And then they lived up to the hype. Everybody can't do that. Everybody, right. you know, and especially as a, when you're so physically gifted at, 15, 14, 15, 16, right? Right. You're, you're, you're heads above everybody else. But when everybody else catches you athletically, then those other flaws that maybe you don't have, you can't just play off of pure athleticism. 
then you kind of fall off, right? But right. LeBron has the whole package, right? For it's, sure. His brain is, as crazy as it sounds, his brain is probably better than his physical gifts, which is unbelievable to say because, right. I mean, he's one of the smartest players I've ever been. It's almost like a savant, the way he remembers plays. He knows where everybody is on the other team, where they're going to be. Like, it's it's incredible, you know, really? especially as a point guard because I feel like I'm a smart I was a smart player. I was, right. you know, I knew the game. I understood the game, but it's almost like he sees it in a different way than anybody else. And That's so interesting. There's, for every one of those, there's that guy that just doesn't have that. Right. You know, they're just physically talented. They might not work hard. You know, they might just rely on their athleticism. And, and that's kind of what, what happens with those with some of those guys. And then right. there's these other guys who, like me, it kind of fueled me. It kind of pushed me. Right. I wasn't, I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, he's not better than me. Like there's no way. And so then it just makes me work harder and harder and harder until I get to where I right. want to go. Yeah. I was just, I'm always curious of that. And I, and I would agree with what you're saying is I, I feel like, you know, when you expect it, you might not work as hard for it. And then when you're like, not really, I mean, I mean, you expect it, but no one else does. So you're trying to prove to everybody. And I mean, especially when you're, when you're not at the Duke, you're not at the Kansas, you're not at these big schools, you have to be seen, right. By like you, you're trying to be seen by the NBA recruiters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're at these big schools, they're already there. Like they're yeah. just, that's, they go to the games just because they're expecting to see some talent. So that's interesting. Um, so I got a quote, you know, I've, I'm interested. Um, I, I got a, a, a friend, you know, a couple of friends that have actually been in the NBA, been in the NFL and they've been on draft day and all that stuff. What is your, I want to see like your, from your perspective, were you expecting to go third overall? You know, what was it like being in the, I'm pretty sure back then it was in New York, yeah, in New York, um, on draft day, you know, High expectation, you know, yeah, Chris Paul in the draft, all these, you know, top guys in the draft, and you went third overall. So I, I feel like I pretty much knew I was going anywhere from two to five. Really, I didn't see. I don't think there was any way I could slip past then, because um, it was kind of it was it was everybody knew Marvin Williams. I'm mean, not Marvin Williams. Andrew Bogut mm -hmm. was going number one to Milwaukee. That was kind of like a done deal. Number two was Atlanta, who I worked out for and had a really good workout for. They didn't have. They didn't have a point guard. They needed a point guard very badly. And then they had like six small forward, power forward type players who could play, really play from two, two to four, right? They could, they were all interchangeable. Right. And then there was Utah at three, um, New Orleans at four, Charlotte at five. And I worked out for, I worked out for all those teams and maybe I worked out for another team. I think Orlando who had the 10th pick, I didn't even want to, but they were like adamant that they were going to move up. They were going to trade up. So I right. ended up working out for them. So those the only teams I worked out for. And <clears throat> I honestly thought I was going to go second um, or third. And the Atlanta ended up picking Marvin Williams, who was another 6'8", yep. power forward, small forward player, which didn't really make sense yeah, to me. A, yeah, but, that's interesting. You know, everything works out for a reason. He, he I went, I went to Utah. Jazz, yeah, so. he did. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he had a great career. Um, I went to the Jazz. and When your name's called, what were you thinking when the Jazz picked you? Because back excited. then, I was back excited. then it was like I think we won like thirty games before then. Yeah, but it was because of injuries. Right. If you looked at that team, they had a lot of talent. I mean, because that was like back when Carlos Arroyo was yeah, there. They had AK. Well, Arroyo was gone. He was he gone by traded. that? Yeah, he got okay. traded. I think um, before because they knew they were picking a point guard. They knew they were probably picking me or Chris Paul or right. Raymond Felton. We were three point guards, and we went three, four, five. Really? So I went to Utah. Chris went to New Orleans, and then Raymond went to Charlotte. Right. So. It was a, that's what I'm saying. There was no way we were going, any of us were going past five because right. it was like a 
whoever picks who the next, you know, kind of whatever fit. Yeah. Fit. yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I was excited to come to Utah. Yeah. Um, you know, believe it or not, I already knew a lot about Mormons. I had five, I think five Mormons, uh, on my basketball team. Really? Yeah. Cause there was a big at Illinois or in, no, in Texas at, in high school. Okay. There was a big, um, population of Mormons in the colony where I went to school. Right. I lived in Carrollton, but went to the colony. And so in the Carrollton colony, there's a, there's a church right there. So right. there was a big population and a lot of them played basketball. Still talk to them today. Still play pickleball with, with that's um, cool. Yeah. I see that you're playing yeah, pickleball all the time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so like, you know, all those questions that people have and you know, the stereotypes and stuff. Right. I wasn't worried about that. I honestly, I didn't know where Utah was on the map. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was somewhere over there, but um yeah i was excited i i felt like you know i'm going to play for a hall of fame coach i felt like we had a chance to win right away um which is usually can't say that about you know a, a, a team that's picking third in the draft right? right you're usually going to a team that stinks right and the only reason they stunk was because they had carlos boozer ak but i think they they both had injuries that year missed right. a bunch of games when you know when your key guys miss games you're not going to win a lot of games and so yeah, I was excited. I was excited to come here. That's cool, man. And and I know like Utah was a big warm welcome. I think that Utah, anytime we get a big draft pick, is like a as a huge we give parades and we write murals on the wall and we do all this crazy yeah. stuff. I don't you know, maybe that's like that in every state, but I feel like we could do a little extra. Yeah. Um so you get in the game, man, like you know, I know like you got drafted in 05. I think, you know, you kinda popped off like your rookie year, you killed it in rookie year, but your second year is the year that like everybody was like, Holy shit, like Darren's here for for real, yeah. you know, how, how was that moment of just going to the game and knowing that like you're running the team? It was good. You know, I felt like, you know, I felt like I could have done that my rookie year, but coach Sloan is that he's that old school where he, I honestly, he was just fucking with me. I think a lot, just that's what, that's kind of what he did. You know, he wants to see what you're made of, how you respond, how you handle, you know, certain situations, right? Like being fucked. You know, because <laughs> I was clearly the best point guard on the team. You For know, sure. No disrespect to the guys that were playing in front of me because, uh, you know, they, they helped me tremendously my rookie year. You know, Milt Palacio, Keith McLeod, these guys, you know, helped me a lot my rookie year. They were professionals and played the game the right way, but I was better than them. And, right. And I feel like we could have made the playoffs if I was handed the keys and kind of similar to what Chris Paul was mm -hmm. in New Orleans. But, you know, it's Coach Sloan, and he he, he makes guys – you know, earn it. He, you know, it's funny because like, so both of those guys started before me. One of them got hurt. The other one started and then the other one got hurt. So I'm like, I'm hundred percent. I'm starting. Right. He started a two guard. It's, it's, he was also a rookie. Really? Also a rookie, but he was a two guard, undrafted two guard. Andre Owens is my yep. boy. Started him at point before he started me. And so that's what I say. Like, yeah, he was, like, he was definitely, you. definitely <laughs> fucking with me. <laughs> And yeah, it pissed me off and, you know, um, did it make you drive even harder at practice? At first, you know, actually I kind of pouted for a little bit. You know, I kind of was like in my feels, it kind of pissed really? me off. And like, I'm just like kind of over, like, like screw, over, screw over, this guy. Yeah. Like over this, you know, cause this is like, at this point it's kind of like a joke, right? It's right. Like, you're playing a joke on me. Yeah. Like, come know? on now. Like everybody um, in the team knows everybody yeah. in Utah knew, but, um, everybody in the country knew. Yeah. But it did. It made me. It made me bounce back. Like I think it was. It was kind of right before All Star break, and so like I took All Star break, and my my minutes were up and down. I played forty minutes one game. Next game I played eight, and it was just like so sporadic. You know, right. I, there was no rhyme or reason. 
other than him just, I think, just messing with me, right? <laughs> and so uh, I took all-star break, and I'm like, all right, I don't care if I play the one, I play the two, if I start, if I don't start, I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to hoop and play balls to the wall, and I'm just going to go. Right. And so I kind of did that coming out for like six games, and then he started me the rest of the season. And so it was kind of kind of history. Oh, I came to finally. came to a couple couple games. I played like two games in summer league that next summer, and then they were mm-hmm. like they shut me down. They're like, all right, we've seen enough. Really. And so then then I had this you know that kind of breakout season. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely remember it for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean that's interesting. Did you have anybody like during that all star break telling you, hey, like just stick with this, stick with this, stick with this? Or was it really just you self reflecting? Yeah, I think it was just more me because I um, I mean I was at all I was in all star. Uh, the all-star break because it was in um where was it houston yeah houston i was on the rookie team the all-rookie team so you know i went to that and um and played in that and it was kind of it was kind of fun it was kind of fun just to like get that little break and get out of whatever was going on mentally right. with me and kind of just reset you know and yeah i mean of course my agent and and you know my high school coach who worked for my agency at the time he was kind of you know mentoring me and talking to me through through some things, but yeah, it was it was more me just like all right, this is this is the cards that are dealt, right? I can't I can't do anything. I can't make him play me, right? Except for making him play me, and that's kind of what I did, right? I, think, I, think I can't go good, tell him, right? And Coach Sloan play me. I mean, I think that's a good lesson for a lot of a lot of young guys because I had a similar situation in football, and like I was clearly the better person on the team, mm-hmm. and like that coach would just mess with me and mess with me and mess with me and like make, you know, he, he, he would break me down so bad that like, I just want to fight everybody. And then I'd, you know, go to like, it would even be so bad where I'd go to suit up for the game. Like, what are you doing? Like, no, no I'm suiting up for the game. He's like, no, you're not I'd throw a clipboard at me. Like you're taking stats this game. Yeah. Like, what are you talking? Like, what are you talking about? Like I'm the best. Like, I actually quit. I ended up quitting. Yeah. I was like, screw this. I wish I still to this day regret that. Yeah. I wish I would have had some, I mean, like my mom and dad are great. Like, but they really didn't care much about football. And you know, they, I didn't have that, but same in basketball. Like I just, I break me down and I just ended up like kind of taking the easy way out. And I think it's taught me now in, in life, like later I've been able to look back at that and had, I live with a lot of, like I, some, I feel like regret's good because you learn from it. And if you just be like, Oh, I don't regret anything. Then I feel like you don't really learn much. Yeah. And so like, I definitely like, Look, I mean, I, okay, like I was the best shooter on the team. I missed a couple of threes. I took myself out of the game. Like, why, why did I do stuff like that? Yeah. But like, I, I wish I would have kept in there and kept, like, okay, I'm going to show these people all, like I'll ball out, but I just didn't have that strength mentally yeah. back then. You're young. I mean, same thing with me. Like I, I held on to that the whole time I was in Utah. Like it, it, it like was always there. Like really? he fucked with me, like for no reason. Like I could have, I could have maybe been, you know, rookie of the year i could you know it's just right. like little things that when you're 20 i'm 21 years old yeah. like you don't know how to handle right, right. You don't, i don't have that same mentality now where i could just be like okay it wasn't that big a deal right you know? right so i mean talking about your career in utah i know like that's a, you know it's a it's a big deal <clears throat> happened back in what 2011 when you got traded i guess traded to mm-hmm. the to, to the nets yep we all woke up to it i mean I big huge surprise Really? I mean, I know, I don't know what you want to get into, man, but I know there's a lot of people that are really interested and maybe haven't heard the actual, like what happened story and how hey, on, on your it's, side. It's, on, it's there. I know, I, but I've like done artic- I've done articles, I've done podcasts. Really? So yeah, I mean, it's, it's out there. Um, and it, it honestly, it wasn't that big a deal. I think it was just more that it was more the build up, right. From that, right. that whole season, we, we had kind of a new team and we came to training camp and we weren't like, 
we weren't um we weren't very cohesive yet right and there were some like miscommunications on defense and um i kind of wanted as a as a point guard as a leader like the way i was taught you know if something's broke you try to fix it right and so i would i would do that coach sloan being like kind of old you know the old school that he is he doesn't he sees that as like more undermining him right and so we kind of butted heads on some things that that whole year um and then it just kind of came to a, a head that night when we were playing chicago and um al jefferson um we run a play to him where he usually comes from the right block to the left block catches it but i told him hey let's switch it up i just like kind of made an impromptu let's switch it up and run it to the other side this is stronger, stronger hand. So we ran it to the other side. Coach Sloan was not happy. And so really? he kind of let me hear about it at halftime. And I kind of snapped back at him. Um, was like, I mean, not really. I didn't really snap back. I just was like, you know, I just saw something. I ran it to the other side. He's like, you want to coach the team? I'm like, I'm like, no, this is it's your world. I'm like, I ain't right. trying to do that. And so then he told Greg um, Miller, he's like, I need to talk to you. And I was like, no, I want to be there too. So I walked in, walked in, and he basically was like, I'm done. Really? He finished the game, and then the next morning resigned. And so that's what it was. It's crazy, man. Yeah. It, was, it was a big deal in the NBA. Yeah, for sure, know, for in, sure. In Utah history, NBA history, yeah. it, was, it was a big thing. But I think, I mean, Sloan was, I mean, he was getting up there in, in, in age, and I think he was just kind of like, you know, yeah. screw this. So um, how was it like getting traded? I mean, it was a lot, man. That that whole that whole situation kind of took its toll on me mentally because then you got people saying that I'm the reason Hall of Fame coach decides to step down. Right. That's a, that weighs a lot on you, you know. And so, um, I got traded. I think I can't remember how many games I played after that because Ty Corbin took over. Right. I want to say maybe four or five. I honestly, everything like from that day on was like a blur. Right. And so then I get traded. Uh, yeah, because I thought it was like right after that. So I, no, it was I a couple games. I yeah. played a couple, maybe maybe two or three. I don't know. Honestly, I'd have to, so I'd look, have it to up. Go look. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember. Um, so I uh, we're in Dallas playing where I'm from, and I'm, I have like 30, 30 tickets to the game. I have a suite and like ten other tickets to the game for all my f- friends and family. And right, um, we wake up that morning. We're going to shoot around, so we go. We tape for shoot arounds. Um, and so I'm in the the trainer room getting taped on the taping table and we're watching, t- we always watch like sports center or whatever TV and it pops up breaking news that I'm traded to the nets. And so that's how I found out. Really? And they're like, you know anything about this? I'm like, no. So I get off the table. I, well, obviously I, I not. You're hall. taping me. <laughs> yeah. I go out in the hall. I call my agent. He's like, I have no clue. Let me call. So he calls. So me agent back. didn't even know. Mm-mm. Like there was nobody in your camp. Nobody. Involved. So he calls me back like five minutes later. He's like, yeah. You've been traded. So what happened was Carmelo Carmelo Anthony had demanded a trade that year, right? And mm-hmm. they were kind of working with, um, I think it was, it was the Knicks. Right. He was trying to he was trying to get to New York, right? Right. And I think the Nets were in the mix too, um, but I think he wanted to go to New York. He wanted to go to the, he wanted to go to the Knicks. And so, basically, what had happened was once. Mellow to the Knicks happened. Brooklyn turned around and offered the same thing for me, like kind of the same package that they were offering for Carmelo for me. And so 
Like it was just wasn't, it wasn't like a, it wasn't something that was there. It was something that happened. I think that quick. Cause it was really? right before the trade deadline. That's crazy, yeah. man. As a player, like mentally, what do you go through when you're trade? Like, how's that being traded? It was tough for me. Um, cause my, my ex-wife at the time was, um, she was eight months pregnant. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I went there by myself, you know, without my, my family for the first time going to a team that wasn't, wasn't good. Right. You know, I'm used to making the playoffs every year and I was going to a team who no matter what we did, we weren't making the playoffs that year. Right. right. And so, yeah, it was just a different, it was, it was different, you know, it was just like a whole, whole whirlwind of, right. of emotions and mad, sad, and happy a little bit, you know, to, to just have a different opportunity. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was interesting, you know, how everything happened and everything happens for a reason. For sure. Um, you know, I, I, I think I kind of, well, not? I think I know I kind of let Utah believe that I was out of there after that contract. Cause that's kind of the mindset I was in with just how things were going and not being able to, um, get free agents to come to Utah. It's like, it's a very hard thing. You right. Know, I'm out there trying to get everybody to come. Nobody's they're like, you ain't trying to play in Utah. Right. And so, yeah, that's tough, tough man. Yeah. Like Utah has never really been able to be an attract. Like there's a, a lot of them. Though. It's not just Utah. Yeah, it's not. It's it's. I mean, there's there's it's like, really like a select like, few markets that can. Hundred percent. You know, it's the bigger markets. It's, right. It's, yeah. No. Not many people want to come to a smaller market. Right. Know, especially when they see the other dollars that are associated with it. Right. But now looking back on things, like I wish I would have stayed here. Like, really. The grass is not always greener. Right. It's just not. And it, this fit my like lifestyle and who I am. You know, you see like you see you you become like this this person, right? And you have this ego and you think you want these other things, but I really didn't. I didn't want those. Other. I don't like the attention. I don't like like I'm like a low-key guy, right? Right. So Utah kind of allows me. Although you do get bothered in Utah cuz Utah fans love Utah jazz basketball, right? Right. So you get that kind of recognition, but I could have still like been under the radar, right? Right. A little low key. Yeah, that's interesting because everybody's dream is to go to those major markets, right? Yeah. But th- what I what I do find interesting is once people come to Utah or or say, well, I I'll just say I'll just talk about Utah because that's all I'm really familiar with. Is once they do come to Utah, they don't really they they don't want to leave or they like the state, they like the fans. Mm-hmm. I think we have one of the craziest fans you know for sure in in the now my seats are on the third third row right next to the visiting bench and so the whole entire time i'm getting just the shit talk to the bench so it's it, it gets pretty intense yeah um but you know we like you know i like a murphy over here knows jordan clarkson and like they love utah like it's just everybody like a lot of people love utah and um what do you think is it about like that that keeps is it more of like a family more like we like we love like and versus the markets that you've been in like is Utah different fans? Is Utah different culture? Like, yeah, I, I think that's one. I think the culture has always been really good here. You know, um, starting back, you know, with the Millers, you know, they, they just did a great job. You know, I feel like culture always starts at the top. Right. And, and they had a way that they wanted to run this organization and they did that, you know, and they hired coach Sloan and he has a culture and he has expectations. Right. Right. Kevin O'Connor was a great, was a great GM. Right. And, and they just brought the right people in. They put the right, 
people in place. They were a little bit behind times with some of the, some things. Right. But as far as like how to run a team, how to run an organization, they were spot on. Right. And so that, that bleeds down into the players. Coach Sloan held everybody accountable, kept everybody accountable. You go to some of these other, you know, places, it's just chaos. Really? And you see why Coach Sloan did some of the things he did and why, you know, he was the way he was because he just wanted, he knows if he loses control that, you know, things go haywire. That's interesting because a lot of people might think that these, these bigger markets or these other teams have everything put together and everything's perfect. And then it's like Utah. I mean, I mean, Sloan had, a, I mean, I've heard stories of just strict, like he just, he had it his way. He wanted things his way. Same with the yep. Millers and Larry. I mean, he, he really had things the way he wanted to run them. And I don't think he took much shit for it. He just said, Hey, you know, you're going to do it my way or, yeah. you know, there's the door. How important is culture in teams? I think, like, it's, I think it's very important. Um, it's hard to win without without a good culture. You know, you can have all the talent in the world, and if you don't have the right culture, the right the right leadership in place, um, you know, it's very tough. Right. You know, sometimes you you might have. I mean, there's been bad bad organizations. I feel like that have won. Right. Um, but they've just had the right the other right pieces. You know. Right. As a player, how do you react to like? You know, you've always been, I'm sure you've been on a bunch of teams with that quote unquote cancerous person or that person who just didn't fit or that, you know, how's, as a player, how do you react to that? Especially being on a, you know, on a NBA team where you might not be able to do much about it because it's, I mean, it's kind of your decision, but at the end of the day, like you kind of just push through Honestly, I haven't really played with like a, that, a cancerous person like really? that, you know, um, you know, people talk about like Kyrie, right. Him being cancerous or whatever, but I played with him and LeBron, I think. I don't think he was cancerous. I think he was just at a different point in his life, you know, and he was trying to figure things out. And, um, but I mean, he, he had already won a championship, you know, so right. I, there's, there's nobody that I can say was really cancerous that I played with. Really? Um, it's just circumstances, you know, I think, I think in order to win and, and win a championship, everything has to go right. I mean, cause look at all the people that haven't won championships. Right. You know, look at John Stockton and Carl Malone, look yeah. at Charles Barkley. Right. Some of the greatest players to ever play this game and, and they haven't won a championship. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like culture is a huge part of that. I feel like leadership is a huge part of, of that. Um, camaraderie, you know, for the most part, I think the teams that like really love each other, that, that really get along, that do things together off the court. Right. I was going to ask how, yeah, how much are, are, are players doing stuff off the court together? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on the team. Right. And I'm sure there, I'm sure there's teams where everybody doesn't get along. It happens. I mean, I've played on teams where everybody doesn't get along. Or right. there's people who are in different phases of life where they're, you know, our first team in Utah, like we had a bunch of young guys. We had me, we had Ronnie Brewer, we had CJ Miles, we had Paul Millsap, you know, yep. Ronnie Price. We were always together, right? Yeah. And then yeah. some of the older guys, they had, they had, they were, you know, off doing their own thing. You know? Right. They didn't go out much. They didn't come to eat with us, but we still loved each other. We still you know, still did stuff together. I had, I would have like a Halloween party. Everybody came. Right. But from day to day, we weren't all hanging together, but we still, we had a really good chemistry, really right. good camaraderie. Um, and then I played on teams where it's kind of just like three people here, two people here, one people here, and we were still good. So, really? When, you know, it just depends. When you step on the court, is it, is it a totally different mindset than like, you know, stuff, stuff happened a couple of hours ago. doesn't really matter or arguments, whatever. Like when you step on the court, it's business for me. I mean, that's how I always was, you know, I don't care if I didn't like you when we got on that, when we got on that court, you were friends. Uh, yeah. I'm a, you're you're my teammate. I have your back. You know, you right. have mine for sure. Do you have a favorite team or year that you played with? 
Um, my, I think my, like my second, honestly, I, my second, third and fourth years with Utah were really good. We had a kind of good mix of, of talent and, you know, we were pretty successful. We just ran into San Antonio and then two Laker teams. Right. All, all, all three of those teams won championships. Right. So we ran into the best of the best, you know, um, and, but I got along with everybody on that team. Great team, honestly. And, and then my, my new, my New Jersey Brooklyn team, my, um, I really enjoyed playing with that team. I had fun with that team. And, um, I actually had fun when I came back to Dallas, playing in Dallas, playing with Dirk. Dirk is great to play with. Really? Yeah. We had a group, great group of guys. Coaching staff was, was great. Um, and that's your home, kind of hometown. Home. Yeah. So yeah. it was good to be home. You know, I was kind of, when I left Brooklyn, I was kind of just, I just kind of was not loving basketball the way I used to. Really? And Dallas kind of When you got left me. Brooklyn? When I left Brooklyn, yeah. Really? It kind of got me back in, into the swing of things. That's cool. Yeah. How's uh, playing for just, um, oh, what's it, the, mind blanking, the owner of the Mavericks? Oh, Cuban? Yeah, how's playing uh, for Mar Cuban? Mark's great. How um, involved is he, actually? He's involved. I mean, so he he's very involved. He's kind of like Larry was. Larry, You know, Larry was at every game. Yep. But... And and sitting like most owners sit in a suite and chill and don't really pay some, attention. Yeah, some. I mean, like Larry was right. Larry there. Larry was right there. Mark, same seats. Mark, Mark's right there. Yeah. Mark's closer than Larry. Larry was like. Yeah, he's like kitty corner to the cross court. Yes, yeah. the, and they're the family. And, still and Larry never up. said anything. Even even halftime, Larry would come in and sit. He had his own locker. He would come in and sit, listen to halftime. You know, listen to coach talk at halftime, and he would walk out. So he was there, but he's not. He wasn't very like he. There was a couple times where he got after our ass. Like right. we were playing like shit. He came in and let us hear it. You know, Coach Lombard, all right, Larry, that's all right. I got it. You know, right. kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and then Mark's Mark's quieter. Mark, Mark. I mean, Mark's Mark's more doing his thing on the bench with refs. Like he loves jawing with refs. He loves getting after refs. Right. You know, he he'll say something to guys here and there, but like he kind of just he's around and he obviously his presence is known because he's Mark sure. Cuban, right? Right. Um, but, and you know, he jokes with guys and hangs out with guys, but yeah, he was great. I mean, he was great to play for. Right. That's awesome. I want to get into the Olympics, man. I mean, this is a feat that most people could never say they, they ever do. There's a lot of NBA players, a lot of players that have been in the NBA, won championships in the NBA, in the NBA and never been on an Olympic team. What was it like being selected to be on that Olympic team? Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Um, I actually just watched the documentary, um, yeah, I, saw, nights, I actually saw that you posted that on, uh, I think you posted it on your, your Instagram. You're watching yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was fun to watch, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was incredible. I was only 20, I think four years old, 20, well, 23 years old. Cause the year before was the, the FIBA world championships. I wasn't, right. I wasn't asked in 2006 to be on that team. The one that lost, um, I think it was, I don't know where it was at, but they lost. And then that next year I can't, they kind of like revamped. Um, and that was after my, my breakout year. Right, and so then I was asked to be, to come and try out for the team. End up making it, which was, you know, amazing. Because you know, then on, they called the 2018 team the Redeem, Redeem team. team yeah. yeah. So I'm on a team with you know Kobe, LeBron, Melo, Dwayne. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, guys that are, are legends. You know, right. already in, in their young age. Um, even though they some of them were the same age as me. That's but, crazy. You know, like you said, those some of these guys have been the ones since they were, 14 years old. Right. Um, and so. Yeah, it meant a lot um, to be playing on that team, to be representing my country, um, and have a chance, like you said, to to do something not a lot of humans have the chance to do, be in the Olympics and, and compete for a medal. Right. How, like, getting selected, being on that team, and 
being a part of that with all of these, you know, superstars, you know, future Hall of Famers. Um, how how was that? He's Murph. Um, how how was that like? You know, getting getting selected, going to the first practice, and knowing, hey, I'm with all these guys, and creating like a team out of that. Is it kind of just expected because you're so well versed in in basketball? Was it easy, just natural, or was it like okay, like okay, you know, you got D Wade. <clears throat> You got you on the team. You got like, there's multiple positions and multiple good people. Yeah. How do you make a team out of that? Well, I mean, I think we we're talking about culture, right? Right. That was a big, that was a big part of this USA basketball team was they assigned Jerry Colangelo, who is a, he's a university of Illinois guy. Right. Um, which is where I went. And uh, he, they made him the head of USA basketball and he had pretty much sole responsibility for picking the coaches. Right. And so he picked coach K right obviously is one of the the best coaches to ever to ever coach the game was that coach k's first olympics yeah really but it was a he was a college coach right so there's questions you know obviously about how can i call it because traditionally college coaches haven't had a lot of success in the nba right um but they were just setting the culture right getting jerry colangelo who's that's what he does he knows how to build things especially around sports teams and then getting coach k and him picking his staff and they had a great staff under him and then, you know, picking the right team, right? And we got all these guys. And, yes, we are, you know, the top at our positions, you know, across the, across the world, right? And right. But how are we going to all play together? How are we going to share the ball? How are we going to put our right. egos aside? And so, basically, Coach K was like, I don't want you to put your egos aside. I don't want you to bring your egos, but put it under one ego umbrella, right? Really? So that's kind of what he, what he preached, right, was just – we're going to play hard. We're going to play together and we're going to go out there and smash people ball, ball out, but yeah. be one balling out unit. Exactly. How was playing with coach K? It was great. Or playing for coach K. It was, a, it was amazing. I mean, coach K is, he's great. I mean, he's great to play for. He, um, he's funny. He's a funny dude. You know, army guy. You would think he'd be like this drill sergeant and he's, he's tough. Don't get me wrong. Like he'll get after you. Right. But he didn't really have to with our group because we kind of policed ourselves. We, we weren't, we weren't there to fuck around. We weren't there to mess around. You know, LeBron, you know, D-Wade, Booz, uh, Melo, they had already lost in the Olympics. They had already, you know, tasted that defeat. So, like, it was on their mind to get it back. And then we got Kobe, who's one of the most competitive dudes in the world. He's not trying to lose to anybody. I'm, right. I'm competitive. Like, all of us are, like, super competitive. And we just brought that competitiveness to Coach K. Coach right. K managed us, played us in the right places, you know, and – um it was just fun. It was an, it was an amazing um, thing to be a part of. How was taking on that pressure of basically an entire country and really kind of the world? Because like the, I think the world wanted to see USA win because how big of fans they were of, of basketball. Yeah. Like you know the the world kind of revolves around NBA basketball. Yeah. You know, how how was that like? Did you even think about it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was it was brought up every time we talked to the media. You know, right? Yeah, we, I guess we, that's true. Yeah, I mean it was a big deal because we had been losing to, to, to these teams, you know, and teams that have been playing together for years, you know, and we're just assembling for 30 days you right? Know, for two months to get ready That's for, crazy. for the Olympics. Right. And so, yeah, we had a shorter amount of time to get familiar with each other, to learn things, to learn about each other. Um, and so, yeah, there was definitely pressure there, but we all, it's also pressure we wanted. It's pressure that most of the guys in the room live for. Right. right. You know, it's not like you have guys that aren't used to, Every guy in there was used to taking last shots, used to having the ball at the end of games. They're used to that pressure. So, yes, there was pressure, but it really wasn't 
it wasn't it, it was it was yeah. yeah expected yeah like it was yeah. pressure but yeah we're like yeah, yeah we already know that's gonna happen was the 2012 olympics a little bit easier because it was kind of a similar team it was similar but we had a lot of i mean everybody talks about how good that 08 team was if you look at the 2012 team i mean it's like i don't know which one would beat which one right, right. i mean because you have you have you know, Russ, James, KD, when they were young, right? Right. AD, you know, if like, you put those yeah. two teams like in their primes, it's, 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 it's that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough, but tough yeah, team. I mean, I think, I think that redeem team, there was a lot more pressure around that team. Right. When we went to 2012, it was like, nobody's beating y'all. Right. That's, that's kind of what it was, but there was, there was those, there was doubts in 2008 because of what happened in 2006, 2005, 2004, you know, right. 2000. So it was, it was, it was different. It was uh, different. That's tough. And you were, what'd you say? 23 years old. I was, tw- the 20, I was 20, I was 24 during the 08 Olympics. Jeez, that's in 28. That's tough, the, man. Yeah. I mean, that, that's an entire, I mean, you're, you're, did you, did you guys have, I mean, was coach K just, you know, knowing how young you guys were, was coach K just like, Hey, like just keep Well, that's why he brought like, in veterans, you know, he brought in Jay right. Kidd. Jason Kidd was, I think, 30, maybe 35, 36 at the time. Right. He was the older older guy who had already won a gold medal, I think, in, two, I think in 2000. 2000, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, four. 2000. So we no, won no, in 2000. 2000. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. before they lost, that's what that's. Yeah, yeah. before they lost. So, yeah, 2000. 2000. Um, now, he was young back then, too. When? In 2000. Back in 2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they brought in him. They brought in Kobe, who was, you know, a little older. He's 30. You know, so there was there was there was a steady influx of guys that you know were a little older than us. Um, Tayshawn Prince, Mike Miller, those guys were were older. Some vets, um, and then you had the mix of of younger guys, but younger established guys. I mean, most right. of those guys were were pretty established. Oh yeah, I mean the best, the best. I mean that yeah, was the best, the best in the NBA. Best. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Who was your favorite person you ever played with? Everybody always asks me that. It's that's a tough. That's like a tough question. I I don't know. You know, there wasn't like a, oh, I enjoy playing with him or like a. Man, there's a lot of people. Um, You know, I really wish I would have played with Dirk longer. I wish I would have played with really? Dirk in my what, what was so, I mean, you in said that prime. before. What was so. Dirk's good? just great, man. He's such, he's like, he's a, he's a superstar, but he's so, so low maintenance and he is just fun to be around. He's funny, keeps things light, but he's about his business too. And so it's just like the perfect blend, you know, right. of, of a superstar. I've heard, I've heard a couple people like. Tell him or you know stories about him and a couple people that I heard have met him is he just wants every the twins so bad he just doesn't really care like he just yeah. he'll take the shot if he needs a shot he'll pass the ball yeah. if he needs to pass oh, he's the ball shooting he, that thing. yeah I mean he's shooting it but thing. he just wants to win but but he's you shooting want it in because, his hand. yeah but you wanted his hand because yeah. he but like he doesn't need like I, I've heard that he like no he wouldn't care he doesn't if, if need, the next guy like, makes the the basket like yeah because yeah. no, there's some people that are like oh I need it like yeah. you know oh he needed it yeah. But, for but he right also reasons. for the right, yeah. But there's some people that need it for the. Michael Jordan you know, needed it. Yeah. LeBron doesn't need it. He wants it, but I think he's also. He's also it's in his nature if somebody else is open to pass. Yeah, but he's he also not like it. I mean he, yeah. But I mean he he's a good shooter, but I, I almost think he's a better shooter in those end of the game time situations than and he's in, made so many game winners too. Yeah. People people feel, fail to realize. He yeah, just no. played. He's played. 18 damn years yeah but i feel like he's a better shooter in those situations than he is like regularly like he, he's a i mean he's gotten he's shooter. gotten better as the years yeah. have gone on i mean he's, he's improved his three-point shooting trips. yeah but he wasn't always like that he wasn't like no. a curry or Kobe. even kobe well, was a really good shooter first of all, there's nobody like a yeah i guess that's true <laughs> but he wasn't like a like uh, i'll say kobe or yeah. like you know even yeah. michael jordan was good at 
But um, yeah, I mean, he he wasn't always that. Like even coming out of high school, he was an athletic. He's he's more known for his athleticism, not his shooting capabilities. Yeah, and he really had to grow into that. And even watching his uh his documentary series, I guess we called it more than a game with in high school and yeah. in college, he knew that he knew he yeah. wasn't the best shooter. I mean, but he had kids in the or kids dudes and other you know with his teammates that were were best shooters. So man, like after the NBA or NBA, you had an unbelievable career, and and you played uh, that it ended in what 2017 is when you played your last. Yep. So that yep. doesn't I mean, dude, you started again freaking MMA. Yeah. Why? Why MMA? Well, I had already owned the gym even when I was playing. Oh really? Yeah. So I owned the gym. Um, I don't think a lot of people playing with the man. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, I, I, I saw an article where it's like I left I left basketball to play to do MMA, and that's like. The farthest thing from the truth. Right. I've always loved MMA. I've, I mean, it kind of comes natural to me being, a, you know, I was, I wrestled for nine years, you know, I won state twice in, in Texas. Yeah. Uh, I would have, I would have kept doing it if it wasn't the same season as basketball, but I yeah. had to quit when I got to high school because it's, it's same, same season, season. Yeah, fall season. Um, or else I would have probably still been wrestling. Um, so like MMA has always been like a love of mine. I've always loved watching it. I've always trained. Um, even when I was here, you know, I knew Josh Berkman, Steven Seiler, you know, some of these guys. So I was, right. I was training with them. Um, and then I, I, uh, met my business partner, safe Saud in Dallas when I was playing for the, the Mavericks and we ended up opening Fortis together. Um, right. and so I, I was training, I was still training when I was playing with the Mavs, you know, really? it was very light, very light training, you know, right. nothing crazy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sparring or anything, but then right. when I retired, you know, man, I had, I had a lot of time, you know, and, nothing to do. You know, I, I wasn't interested in coaching because I just didn't want to jump back into that travel and be away from my kids at that right. point. I, you know, I was, you know, a week on week off with my kids, you know? And so right. I'm not going to leave them. And so, uh, a lot of time I wanted to, you know, I kind of got do, a little, got a little hefty there for a right. little bit, you know, eating good <laughs> and not working out. And so I started using, you know, MMA is, you know, a way to stay in shape. And, you know, I, I started enjoying, you know, sparring and sparring with some of our guys and, you know, um, doing a lot of jujitsu. And so something I just kind of use as a tool, as an outlet and, you know, still do. That's awesome. And you boxed yeah. back in, back in December. <laughs> yeah. How did the hell did that come about? So, you know, it's funny is like, I think I saw Ocho Cinco when he did his, his boxing match. I was like, damn, yeah. that'd be fun. Like I'd always wanted to fight. I actually had a MMA fight, um, right before COVID. Booked. really yeah my opponent um canceled backed out on me and then COVID came so they didn't even have the promotion i don't think wow um and then i actually didn't train you know the gym was shut down for most of COVID, so i stopped training um and then after um covet i ended up meeting my fiance who i'm with now right um and we were you know i was traveling a lot she lives here i live in dallas so we're traveling a lot wasn't training um, but still I did, I think I did a, I did a podcast with the, all the smoke podcast with, with Matt Barnes and Steve mm -hmm. Jackson. And I mentioned, I mentioned something about, you know, it'd be fun to do a boxing match. And so, um, shoot, a couple months later, uh, Nikisa Vidarian reached out to me, who's on the promotion team with Jake Paul's promotion. Right. Um, asked me if I wanted to box. They're looking for an opponent for Frank Gore. I haven't, I hadn't sparred in two years really I hadn't trained in two years i hadn't done anything <laughs> like i maybe hit mitts like twice really in two years and i was like 
I was fat. I was like 245, same as I am right now. <laughs> and I was like, damn, this would be a good way to get in shape. It was a six-week notice fight, so I had to lose, you know, 40, 35 pounds. Wow. Um, in six weeks and get ready for that fight, which I would never do again. Really? In that way. Okay. Uh, yeah, I would never. They tried to get me to fight October 29th. Really? On six weeks notice, and I'm like, no. I'm not doing it. That's tough. Yeah, it's just my body's body. I'm 38 years old. I can't. I can't go doing that to my body right now. Right. You know, I need like three, four, five months if I was going to do it. That's right. if I'd ever do it again. I said I would never. So, kind of sticking to those guns. But right. yeah. So, I was like, all right, I'll do it. And so I, I did took it. the fight, and some always want. I always wanted to fight. I always wanted to more. I wanted to do MMA fight. Right. Um, but so no MMA fighting now. It's too much. It's too, it's too hard. Like, I w I was getting hurt boxing. You know, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure here. MMA is yeah. you mix in wrestling and jujitsu yeah, and get ups and like it's a whole another. Thinking about it, it's a whole another animal. Like boxing, right. I'm not saying boxing is an easy sport, so you can't misquote me on that. Right. But getting ready for a boxing match, you know, getting ready for four three minute rounds as opposed to three five minute rounds. In an MMA fight, there's no comparison. What's right? What's well, well, wrestling is tough. Yes, I mean you. you yeah. know, I mean you did. And, and, I, and, and I say harder. I'm saying for me at this age, right? As a 38 right. year old who's already injury prone, you know, right. it was a big reason I stopped playing basketball is because I couldn't stay healthy. Right. Mentally, I couldn't take that, and so, um, I mean, I have, I have some some injuries right now. I'm dealing with still from the fight. Really? Um, yeah. So, from that Frank Gore fight. Yeah. Dang. It's from training, from getting ready for it. Right. Know? Well, now you're golfing i see that you're, you're huge into golfing you've actually been on you've had some tour exemptions so no. i got you said you told me you had some tour exemptions i didn't say that you told me you had some tour, i said like, i dude, did not say that i literally was standing in keaton's house and i was you're like yeah i had some tour exemptions i never said that anyway i guess you don't have tour exemptions no so i've been lying to people telling yeah, people you've like, definitely yeah. been lying to people but you're good at golf maybe we're talking about tony romo we're i think we're talking about i think we're talking about me i think we're talking about you no i've played in like some like celeb Events, I guess like not say send out tour exemptions like yeah. some 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 televised tournaments. I think yes, we're talking okay. about. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, like yeah. Tahoe, yeah, yeah, yes. the one that Jim plays in. Yes, yeah. those are those aren't tour. No, exemptions. not tour exemptions. Sorry, okay. sorry. Yeah. I mis misquoted that. Tour exemptions mean like yeah, you were on tour. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. I know for a fact that I'm I'm not good enough to ever play on tour, dude. That, I mean, I'm sure you could make it. Hey, listen, people say listen. Box. I have I have like really good friends who played in college who are phenomenal golfers, and they still haven't made it on tour. Really? Like, it's not. No, it's not. It's I mean, not I, easy. I have a buddy it's, who I train with. Easy. He's on the web.com tour back in the day. Now, Corn Ferry tour. And I think he's the best that's thing like, in the that's world. It's like saying somebody who's a good, was a good high school, a decent high school player can just be like, oh, I'm going to play in the NBA. It's, yeah, the same, no. it's the same equivalent. Yeah, they couldn't even play. I mean, it's no. even saying for like a they, decent college player no. playing in a different, different, yeah. like, you know, the different. No, I'm, I'm saying I'm comparing my golf. Yeah to like a tour golf but it's you, like me being like a no i don't even know if i'm a good high school <laughs> player <laughs> bro i've heard you're good i'm decent but like a i was like a scratch golfer but i also feel like i was a bad scratch golfer like i feel like the gin system is not built for me because like i'll i'll go out and shoot like even par one day and then for like two weeks i'm like 82 81 80 and because of that that even par like oh I'm I'm a I'm a one or I'm a point five and I'm right. like that's not fair because right. I'm not consistent at golf. Dude, golf is mentally I'm hard. not hard. Mentally, it's hard for me to stay locked in for eighteen holes. 
I don't like. So I went uh, to the Players Championship at TPC Sawgrass back in whenever it was like March, something like that. Yeah. Dude, to watch. So I got to walk with um, a couple of the players like uh, Dustin Johnson. I got to walk with um, who's a Jason Day and a couple people just walk walking with them on the course. Yeah. Dude, they're the way that they like carry themselves on the course is unreal. Yeah. Like, and it's crazy because it looks so easy to them. They put the ball where they want to. It's they hit a bad shot and it's not. It's not the end of the world. No, and me, like, I hit a, I hit a bad shot, and I'm ready to throw every club, break every club, telling myself I suck. <laughs> so, what got you into golf? Why you, why you say golf? Just something to do. It was the first sport I wasn't naturally good at. Really? Yeah. You know, like, you know what I've heard that from actually a lot of. I've watched a lot of interviews, a lot of athletes, and they, they, a lot of them say that. Yeah, I feel like as like when you're a high level athlete, you're always looking for like a challenge. Right. And so I think that was. That, that was it for you, me. You I, golf a lot now, I see. I No, I, I haven't. Like the last two years, I've actually not played much golf. Really? Like I'm up to a five handicap. I don't care. I don't. I played twice in the last like three months. Really? I just don't. I don't know. So I've been playing a lot of pickleball. I, I do see that. So what is, uh, I mean, what, what do you. What's my next you, challenge? What, next challenge is to pickleball? Be, yeah, to, to get up to like a five, five, five. <laughs> Playing the national championship pickleball? Uh, no, I, but that's another thing. Like, I know I'm not good enough to be like, like people will say, oh, you're going to turn pro and put, I'm like, no, like, no, I'm not good enough to play pro anything but basketball at 38 years old. That's funny. <laughs> like, it's just, I not, guess it's just our expectation of, you know, pro athletes yeah, should be pro at everything. It's also stupid. There's professional, like, like a lot of people that are starting to play pickleball are like, pro tennis players who are really, really good pro tennis players. Right. But they're not making any money on the tour. So then they go play pickleball. Really? Yeah. So yeah. you're going to tell me I'm, yeah, I'm going to compete, compete with that? Like, come on. <laughs> that would be tough to compete. It's just like I, I'm getting beat by 60-year-olds still. Like, really? That have been, yeah, because they just know how to play the game. The pickleball just kind of came getting, I've gotten so much better. Like, So I've, I've been playing over the last four years, but very sporadic. Like I, the first time I played, I didn't play again for like another year. And then really? I played like twice. So like all in all, I've probably played maybe 25, 30 times, but very consistently over the last like month and a half, two months. And like I, how good I've gotten from then till now is pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I catch on to things really quickly and I'm like good at watching and like I see what people are doing and then I start implementing it. Really? I haven't played pickleball since high school. It's so fun. I, I need to get out and play. My family does. There's there's Maybe. like a, I think, over, you know, in Farmington, there's a big old, like a pickleball course, course yeah. court over there, whatever. Right by my house. Yeah. yeah. And uh, my family goes over there all the time. Go and there, I was, hey, you want to go? Go to like, the pickler no. in Ogden. No. There's the kitchen in Kaysville. Really? Isn't there one down in Salt Lake, too? Yeah, I'm sure. There's a couple. Yeah. There's one in like Orem, I think, like a big or in Orem. There's a couple picklers. There's a couple picklers, and there's two. The there's the kitchen, which is there's one in Kaysville, one in Woods Cross. So so is that what? what so what's next for D Will? Pickleball. Pickleball. I mean, I <laughs> yeah. I mean, just as far as like hobbies, yeah, I really am really enjoy it. What I like about pickleball is it's not six hours. Like golf is six hours, right? And I used to love that. I used to love the outlet. I needed right. the outlet. I don't need that outlet anymore. So six hours, I could, I don't want to be anywhere for six hours anymore. <laughs> Dude, it's a long, I mean, it's a like, long. it's like you drive in there, you're warming up, you know, you play, you usually eat food after because you've been out there for six hours, right. four hours, five hours, whatever. And then you drive home. Right? And so all in all, it's like a six hour process. Right. Where I can go play pickleball and be home in two hours, two and a half hours. Right. 
Yeah, no, you, and you, it's you, active. You're right about that. I mean, my my wife complains about that. Not, I don't say complains about that, but I got her into golf, so she, now we go together. Yeah. But then it's like now I'm with my wife for six hours, and she brings mm-hmm. up everything that I've ever complained about. And was can't that, tell it her. was that outlet. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool, man, dude. I I really appreciate you being on here. One thing I want to ask you. Um, this has been a good one because I really like I've gotten to kind of know you a little bit better and like teams and just really, really important. I think for that whole aspect of a camaraderie for teams, I want to ask you success is what to you, how do you define success? That's a, that's a tricky question. Um, because I feel like, I feel like everybody views success differently. Right. Right. Um, you know, if you would ask me when I was 20, 21, 22, I'd probably have been like me, you know, me having a Hall of Fame career, you know, making a certain amount of money, whatever. But I feel like that's changed. My philosophies on life have changed. So I feel like I'm still searching for what that means, you know? I'm still really? looking for what that is. Right. You know? I know you're a big, like to big be family a good, man too. Yeah, so. be a good father to have, you know, you know, raise my kids the right way, you know, have them have a good core values. Right. Um, you know, that would be success me nice yeah. Yeah. i mean it, it's it you're right it's different for everybody and you know one thing i do, do know about you just from a few times we've we've hung out as your family's huge and you're not only do you have a lot of <laughs> a lot of kids but uh your family is very important to you i mean you talk about your family a lot in there. Mormon ways, man. yeah hey you know what it is it, you came to utah and they stuck with you right they, they followed you from texas to utah you know it is what it is but no i appreciate you man it really really means a lot that you're on here and looking forward to this one coming out yeah man Grab me.